Hi, I'm Diana Yao, your host on the Emerging Markets Tech Startups podcast. While traveling to over 90 countries, I was inspired by the entrepreneurial spirit across startup communities in Africa, Latin America, Asia, the Middle East, and Eastern Europe. On the show, we bring you stories from entrepreneurs, startup ecosystem innovators, and investors. We discuss what makes these markets culturally and historically unique, local trends, local challenges consumers and founders face, and the opportunities. Let's get started. So I'm ready. It is so great to reconnect with you after probably five years. I'm excited to talk about the Thai ecosystem. Let's start with telling us a little bit about yourself. Diana, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I am affectionately known as just AIM in Thailand. I started Thailand's first co-working space called Haba eight years ago, a technology media and conference company, Texas, five years um, ago, and of about close to 5 million reads uh, annually uh, in 2019. And everything was going well until COVID happened. Um, so it became a bit of a co-working slash events uh, refugee, uh, stuck back at home, trying to plan the next steps of my life. So now I'm involved with an impact fund out in Korea, helping a lot of entrepreneurs from 86 teams across Asia Pacific uh, scale their impact ventures. Um, Impact Collective is trying to invest in 20 to 25 companies by next year, $5 million fund as a start. So let's talk a bit about the Thai ecosystem. Well, first, Thailand as a country, I mean, a lot of people know it as a great travel destination, paradise, food is great, the people are so kind. But tell us a little bit more about things that usual people don't know about Thailand? I think by 2025, it's, um, it's going to be a $300 billion digital economy for the whole region. And that's centered around the five major countries. So obviously, the largest is Indonesia, Thailand, secondly, Vietnam uh, is coming up hard and fast. I think now it's overtaking uh, Singapore and Malaysia. And then there is the the next frontier is always the the Philippines that is the up and coming digital ecosystem. While obviously Myanmar, Laos, Cambodia are the frontier markets, they're going to be exciting in the next decade. To dig down a little deeper, uh, you know whether you're reading the Temasek report or we as social digital economy report, you're going to see that the region is very young very mobile, very social, very engaged in online video and chat and adopting uh, mobile first. Uh, All the new digital technologies that folks in, especially in in China, take for granted and then folks in the West find peculiar. Mm. What are some of the popular apps there? Um, Obviously the um, the chat apps, you know, we, we, uh, Thailand is dominated by Line versus um, WeChat in China, or Line is going kind of the WeChat route, which, which even Facebook and WhatsApp is trying to emulate, which is uh, like a super app. It does everything. So everywhere you go in, in, in Southeast Asia, everybody wants to be a super app. So your ride sharing app can now do banking, can now do 
food delivery can now do um, laundries and is selling deals. And But to zoom in a little bit in, in Thailand, while we are the second largest economy and, you know, a tur- by the just like GDP um, and, and compared to Indonesia, people are spending two, 2x more on basket size on when they're buying stuff online and they're... Why do you think that's the case? Is it higher income? Or... Uh, that partially, but also just the digital infrastructure is top-notch. So like uh, 4G, 5G, mobile phone, uh, smartphone penetration is through the roof. Uh, people have more than one device. Were those efforts mainly led by the government, by the telcos, companies, competition? Yeah, so that goes to my second point, which is a unique thing about Thailand versus the other ecosystem is many times, like in Singapore, it's going to be our Malaysia government-led. But the issue is that in Thailand, we have a government that is struggling to meet the demands of uh, our people, as, as you can see on, on online and social media. Because there are so many other problems the government has to deal with, our ecosystem is uniquely led by large corporations for good and bad. And that means that the companies that want to build the Thailand's first unicorns are our banks and industrial conglomerates. The companies that are building all the funds, over 80% of venture capital is led by corporate venture, a large part of startup activity and and the hiring and the competitiveness of recruiting talent. And and like every ecosystem, we have a talent crunch, but it's extremely amplified by just the demand for a corporate to go through digital transformation, especially during COVID. For anybody who's doing a lot of B2B and want to engage large enterprise, Thailand just so happens to be a great um, kind of a sandbox to go in there and talk to the who's who and say, like, we've got exciting innovations from abroad and we'd like to try in Thailand and you're going to get a ton of receptive uh, corporations that are hard pressed to look for innovation locally and feel like they they can't find enough deal flow or interesting projects. That's so unique a country where the corporations well it's not unheard of because in a lot of ecosystems it's either the banks or the telcos that are starting with the co-working spaces this was the case in the u.s structurally always been um corporate and private sector led um just because um, the government is always playing catch up to try to understand how the world's changing, the business changing, and now even more amplified by the speed in which things are changing, I think. Mm-hmm. Are these corporations local companies? Can you give some names? Sure. What industries are they in? So uh, a few of the notable top two banks are Sayam Commercial Bank and Casacorn Bank, which is, I think, inspiring other banks across the region of the possibilities of what banks can do when they really want to be innovative. So we, they're launching blockchain projects, their mobile banking app is people in Australia are saying that this is better designed than stuff that's in Australia. Um, 
you know, you can do EKYC, open a bank account without ever showing up. You can buy deals. It's integrated to e-commerce. It's integrated to large um, platforms and, and different wallets and payments. And you can transfer money cross account with zero fees. So when, when you have a aircraft carrier, it's really hard to turn a ship around, but once it turns around and it's dead set on a course, and obviously in Thailand, we're so close to the mothership, uh, you know, uh, Alibaba and WeChat is gonna come in and dominate Thailand. And then um, in 2015, I talked to a bunch of senior executive at, at one of these top two banks and they said, we've actually been doing a research since 2010. And it took them a long time to convince the board and CEO. But once they launched their innovation program with us in our conference, Texas, they shook the market. And with the capital and the networks that they had, within just between the two banks, within the first year, 200 companies showed up out of the woodwork from nowhere uh, and said that they're working on FinTech and they want to join the Thai FinTech Association. And we're like, wow. This is what you get when the ducks are in a row in the ecosystem and, and things move really fast. So the 200 companies were spurred because they got signal from the banks that they wanted innovation. They were interested in acquiring companies or what was? Acquiring, investing, partnering with companies. So, so I think many times people ask me what, what do early stage ecosystem need? And, you know, there's a long laundry list um, you can read up the white paper launched by the folks at Techstars and um, startup genome and then so many other research houses uh, and there's a ton of stuff on regulatory issues and you know the Kaufman Foundation and a bunch of folks um, global entrepreneurship network are already doing a whole bunch on that uh, then on top of that is Entrepreneurs need capital to start, which is usually oftentimes they did challenge in emerging markets. So we just did a survey of 200 financial institutions, and that's usually number one on top of mind is why, why it's hard to fund early stage companies and why early stage companies are not getting funding, which is oftentimes it's not enough uh, angel investors or seed funds. But on the other hand, it's also lack of customers. So a lot of people are coming up with cutting edge tech and a lot of the banks and corporations say like, yeah, we want to do AI and machine learning, but we don't even have any big data or we don't actually have clean data. We don't actually do anything with our data. And then you go back to square one, which is like got to fix the low hanging fruit problems in the ecosystem first. Let's Talk a bit about some companies we should know in the Thai ecosystem, homegrown startups, maybe top five that come to mind that are just killing it. You know, despite everything I've said, um, we, we have a few unicorns in waiting. Uh, and why I, I, all of us now hate that word. It's now camels and dragons and whatnot. Um, they are two operators in the payment space, Omise and 2C2P. So think of them as like Thai Stripe. And they have some footprint in other markets, dominating with the corporates, uh, going head to head and, and doing a lot of really cool stuff. Um, in the past 
when I started Haba, like every other co-working space operator, the biggest complaint from the ecosystem is people don't want to pay online and e-commerce oh, is full of fraud. Now, uh, everybody is gone completely online. Everybody's excited about online shopping and, and sales are true to roof. Um, so on top of that, if you're talking about selling, Thailand is a big hub for fashion in the region and we have our very own, um, I wouldn't say Uniqlo or, or like a Zara-like uh, D2C brand called Pomelo, direct to consumer. So they're selling fast fashion online that had a few stores um, and became wildly successful of taking uh, looks off the runway and being able to launch really quickly at a very affordable price um, and raised a ton of funding from large large corporates in Thailand, like Central Group, which is uh, the um, they had a big uh, shopping mall. And I'm assuming it's Thailand. digital first. On top of that, uh, this enablers, yep, for sure, digital first. Uh, and then we have enablers like e-commerce and most recently Flash Logistics, which just raised $100 million. So, you know, enabling e-commerce from warehousing, pick and packing, uh, you know, helping with social media and selling on the various platforms. So that's kind of e-commerce model, which is like, we'll do everything for you. E-commerce. And Flash Logistics, um, I, I hear really great things. They just uh, killing it. Have these succeeded just in Thailand or have they already started thinking regionally? Some of them have dabbled for sure. And the other one I, I, I do have to say is um, this merger between Wong Nai, which is like, like uh, Thai Yelp, and Line Man, which is like a Thai uh, messenger delivery app that kind of catch on. They merged and then raised another 100 million. So there's a unique thing in Thailand, which is all these up and coming startup unicorns are all either started by a Thai founder plus a foreign born founder, maybe Korean American, somebody from Myanmar, somebody from Japan. And many of them are, are uh, we're starting to see a lot of intermarriages. So, you know, Chinese money, Thai company, uh, Japanese investor, Thai company, or, you know, well, we would line, it's a Korean company, but uh, popular in Japan, Taiwan, and Thailand, and then merging with a Thai company. So seems to be a, a, a thing where, where, you know, we, we need, the insights of a local execution and an operator, but with somebody on the team that is going to push the edge because Thailand can be very comfortable. It's big enough to grow a sizable business, but not large enough, like attractive enough, growing fast enough, like Indonesia to be a single market company. And, and that's kind of the challenge where our founders are facing, which is, how do we get out of Thailand when maybe our English is not so great? We don't know anybody outside our home market or we've spent so much time focused locally that by the time we want to get out like Wong Nai, you know, um, there's already Open Rice and um, Hungry Goware and all these other players cropping up in every market that's kind of crowded out the, the capital, the, the opportunity for expansion. At the same time, these companies are raising 100 million at a time.
is this money coming from the corporates or is it coming from international investments? So after series A onwards, it's mostly international and here's why. So of the 20% that's left, there's maybe, I would say five active privately managed funds, maybe no more than 10. Um, and they usually are happy to do seed deals there with our corporates. They oftentimes ask our startup, the big joke is, oh, we, we like to follow. Can you find a lead investor? Because, you know, I don't want to, unless you are a kind of a sure shot, a really big deal. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to risk my, um, myself uh, leading this deal. And many of the times then you talk to other corporates and nobody wants to lead. So a lot of founders fly over to Singapore, some to Japan to talk to investors, maybe Korea. Then the international investors saying like, why aren't local investors leading? Like we might not have a presence in Thailand. You might not be focused internationally yet. I, I don't understand the market. Um, so it's kind of a chicken and egg. People kind of passing the buck. And it, that just delays fundraising and it takes like 12 to 18 months uh, average from a startup, but it takes even longer for Thailand. And then, and because of that, very few early stage investors, smaller check sizes. So, you know, a, a series A in Thailand would be like from one to $5 million and the sweet spot is somewhere between one to two-ish, three max. So the problem is, you know, if you're trying to become regional and you only have a few million dollars in the bank, it's not going to give you a lot of confidence to go out there and invest and, and capitalize to learn to fail, to make mistakes, to hire really good people in, in internet, other markets, right? So that's where we try to reach out to more seasoned investors uh, abroad, but now the, the difficulty is lack of investors are actually able to come to Thailand to do due diligence. Well, we've recently opened the border to our first batch of Chinese tourists. Um, a lot of investors still need to get to know the founders, see the operations in person, have a look around. I guess when an investor is looking across the region, like you mentioned, Thailand is the second largest in GDP wise. So why are they so hesitant? Because you see kind of money being thrown besides Indonesia, like into the Philippines, into Myanmar. Why is it so competitive? You know, everybody kind of lands in Southeast Asia. And the joke is, uh, you know, where, where do I start my company? I usually tell them, just uh, you pick your poison, buddy. It's like, you know, you could fall in love in the Philippines or go to Bali or, uh, you know, Yangon might fascinate you. Right. Um, so, so every market is unique, quirky, dysfunctional in its own way. And Thailand just happens to be infamous for a bit of dysfunction, despite being such a great place to live. Everybody's dying to live here, dying to live here. But the politics doesn't help. The uh, society is probably one of the most rapidly growing societies. So other Southeast Asian markets are full of young people with growing populations. Thailand is stagnating. Um, and we have a lot of older population. It's also means you know, the speed at which technology is adopted is 
no longer as rapid and as fast. You know, you hear crazy work ethics in Vietnam and people aspiring and doing whatever it takes to learn and take classes and doing degrees at night and going to work uh, crazy hours. A lot of great engineers. I think Thailand has not produced a ton of engineering talent uh, historically, like computer science is not our forte. Our creative and design industry is world-class. Uh, you've seen all the commercials. You've seen a lot of you know, the work at, at Pixar and Disney um, subcontracted to Thailand. Point is, yeah, yeah. So, so it's just kind of the, the flavor, you know, that every country is specializes in something different. And, and for us, we have always been historically a consumer and a buyer of technology. We don't, we haven't felt the confidence to build our own uh, and use our local tech because we've always been a outsourcing manufacturing hub. We've always been an agricultural society. And people are like, well, Thai tech, is that really as good as, you know, other markets? And this is something that we're trying to fix and solve. And it's still a very big issue. Jokingly, we call it the Thai doubt. doubt. Like we're just doubting the capabilities of our own people, which is really bad for emerging markets because, you know, course, you're not going to be as great as Silicon Valley or Singapore or Seoul. Right? But you got to start somewhere. Otherwise, every tech that you use is going to be foreign. And that's not a bad thing. But you know, all the intellectual property, all the profits, all the rewards are shipped overseas. And it's kind of sad that We've got a lot of great entrepreneurs and they're not properly supported. Uh, and I think that means there's a lot of work to be done in the ecosystem. Because at the same time, I talked to a lot of our corporate investors and they're saying that, hey, do more stuff. Like, please run more accelerators, like organize more programs. Like we need startups to be able to come and talk to us. They're too early. They're too small. We can't invest in them. And that's kind of the chasm that most ecosystems are trying to bridge, which is we can start a lot of small companies and hackathons and copy the playbook, organize all the events and have all the speakers and do everything. And people are super excited. And then once they really try to launch and run their company for the next 24 months, they don't have anybody to talk to for advice. They've never done it before. They're winging it by learning online and then applying it the next day. And they're making a ton of mistakes, wasting a lot of time, spending a lot of time training their team. And the cost of just that wasted effort and energy, it just makes them slow down or dream a little smaller or move a little slower, becoming less and less attractive to outside. And is that because they need mentorship from a successful founder in Thailand? I think we have a, a fair amount of those. There's probably like 30 
names that we always call upon about for any mentorship program, but those folks are also busy, overwhelmed with their current ventures and are learning as they go along as well. You know, we, we don't have, Silicon Valley has the breadth and depth of people doing this intergeneration. You know, their grandparents were a VC and now they are. And, you know, you go anywhere and there's a gazillion people who've done it before, who've made it, who've invested in other people that have made it. And the cycle of passing it forward continues. And when you come to an ecosystem where people are like, well, I don't believe in Thai technology. I don't believe in the exit opportunity. Can you really take it to IPO? Uh, can you actually run this and take this company abroad? And I think those are doubts. It's not just in Thailand. In any emerging market, you'll get the same answer. The question is, what are we doing differently to, to solve it? Um, and one of the things that we're trying to do is, one, to get more people to start angel investing. In the past, they're, they're doing it badly. They're doing it just for fun. How do we get angels who actually would commit to mentoring, helping the startups with different aspects of running the company, covering some of the blind spots around management or finance, accounting, governance. So uh, yeah, we, we I've, I've been attending a lot of angel investing courses. Um, there's been a massive uptick because a lot of people see that early stage capital is an issue. Uh, but that works just just started this year. Now, the other one is like you were saying, mentorship. How do we get, get global mentors to be interested in Thai companies? Um, and, and there's this case in Taiwan with the folks at Techstars, um, very interesting, which is they were saying, well, there's all these Taiwanese founders in tech companies in the US like YouTube and Rotten Tomatoes. Why aren't we getting them to be interested in, in Taiwan? And in Thailand, there's a whole bunch of people working Twitter and Google and Facebook. Now the big joke is like, uh, I think um, one of the, I think the founders of Skillshare is actually Thai. And uh, I think Ben Chestnut in uh, Melchim is half Thai. And there's a whole bunch of half Thai folks uh, all over the place, but they just are not interested or engaged. But the for other ecosystems like uh, in Vietnam, there's, um, you know, I I forgot the term is returning Vietnamese uh, entrepreneurs that are, are coming to invest and bringing their know-how from abroad, studied abroad, and, and want to come back to to help out the country and explore the opportunities. In in Indonesia, they call it the sea turtles. You know, these little turtles paddling their way back home to lay some eggs. And, and in Thailand, people once they check out, they leave and they barely don't want to come back because they just feel uh, they, they love the food, they love the people, they just can't deal with the business and political climate for the time being. And then I hope we, we will overcome some of these challenges that will make Thailand an even more amazing place to live. But, uh, but that ends it off on a great note because usually I ask, so what are ways that people can help? Now that they've gotten excited about the Thai ecosystem. So I'm hearing folks that are interested in angel investing. The second thing is mentorship. Any other one, any other things that can really 
help amp up the ecosystem from the international community? It's very simple. Just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Amrit Sharan Pan. I'm very easy to find. Even if you can't pronounce my name, just look for AIM. AIM, Haba, Texas. Uh, I'm all over the place. And, you know, let's talk to some interesting teams. Uh, get involved with a few of our conferences. Come and speak. Come and share. I really appreciate you sharing and giving us a glimpse into helping us learn about Thailand beyond just the beauty of tourism there. Sure. And uh, to everybody's listening, Swadika, stay safe and have a great day. Thanks for joining us today on the Emerging Markets Tech Startup Show. If you have questions, comments, requests for me to cover an emerging market, or want to be connected with today's guests, leave me a comment in the reviews or find me on Twitter at Diana Yao. Until next time. <laughs>